go. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here as part of our podcast together. As always, it's me and Mr. Michael Ray down in Somerset. How is everything in Somerset this morning, Mr. Ray? Everything seems to be good. It's a little early to tell yet. You've drugged me up at a ridiculous hour, but yet, yeah, I'm just for the people. I'm here for the people, man. I see you have a co-host in your lap as well. So. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if he has any uh, if he has any thoughts on Abraham and Lot, I'll be sure to be sure to add them. He's furious right now because I won't let him outside. <laughs> um, so this morning we've been continuing on here in our our study. We kind of transitioned few through a few different things, and um, we're still in our section where we want to look at. Uh, characters throughout the Bible and their business successes and failures and what lessons we can learn from that. Um, I'll give our standard disclosure here. We understand that the spiritual lessons that we oftentimes focus on with these people are the most important. Make no mistake about that. What we're trying to do is take the extra business lesson here. So what are some extra things that we can learn on top of the spiritual lessons that can just make us better in business? There are you know, as, as we've already discovered through the first couple of these classes, there are several very successful people in Scripture. And if we kind of do what they do, I think we can be successful as well. There's a reason why um, certain business practices and principles work. And uh, I think if we'll focus on that, then, then we can be better than we were before. Uh, so we've looked at we looked at Joseph. Right. And we looked at kind of the period of his life. And we broke that up into a couple of different lessons. Uh, we looked at Boaz and, and what lessons we can learn from from Boaz, who still to this day gets not enough play. Um, he's a good dude. and We should talk more about Boaz. But then we went to Isaac and, and talked about the wells and the, and the way that's set up. And today, is, as Michael alluded to, we're going to talk about uh, Abraham and Lot and how, you know, sometimes um, business deals go bad or start to go bad. And what are some lessons that, that we can learn from from their breakup, if you will, um, as they split ways. So we're talking about Genesis chapter 13, um, if you're following along. So, Michael, as you normally do with our recaps, can you bring us up to speed of how we get to Genesis chapter 13? Um, there's not a ton to recap here because we're just 13 chapters in, but uh, <laughs> normally I give you half the book of the Bible to recap. So uh, how, how do we get to 13? Well, I, I would say just as a blanket statement, much like the story of Jacob and Laban, the overarching principle here is don't work with family. And I think that that, that should probably just as, as somebody in a family business, uh, I can make that joke. But um, <laughs> but we do we kind of do see that that additional layer of tension in, in the fray here because we are dealing with family. So the story of Abraham and Lot, you, you know, Abraham doesn't come on the scene until chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. God calls, it's a, you know, that very famous story. God calls him from his country. Um, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 indicates that he, he was being called to a land that he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. Um, but we know that his nephew um, uh, is, is along, is along with him as he comes from the land of Ur, kind of works his way up to the land of, of Canaan in chapter 12. We know there's a diversion as he goes down to uh, Egypt because of famine at the end of chapter 12, and uh, perhaps because of some of the interactions, which were not great, you know, if we spend some time on that story, um, some of the mistakes, but but um, ultimately, uh, as, as Abram, Abram and Sarai uh, leave Egypt with Lot, they leave with a lot of possessions, <clears throat> and 
part of that sojourning in Egypt is what helped uh, Abraham accumulate some of his possessions. And so as we, as we get to the end of chapter 12, beginning of chapter 13, Abram and his traveling caravan and Lot and, and, and his, his flocks and herds are, are back kind of in the, in the Negev area uh, south of what would be present-day Israel. And there's some conflict that arises in the beginning of chapter 13. And um, it says in verse 2 that Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. And we also know that um, verse 6, Lot also had flocks and herds and tents. And so uh, both these guys have some possessions at this point. I think it's probably important to put that in context is, you know, when we, when we talk about Abraham being rich, that is very much, you know, everybody's only rich against the context of the perspective of everybody else around them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham was so rich that he could put everything he owned on donkeys. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that he was not successful and prosperous in relation to the people around him. It just means we better put that in context. Abraham was rich and never had a house with a foundation. That, you know, that, that's, 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 that's pretty humbling. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, just in context. Yeah, he was a very wealthy nomad. Right? Yes, uh, correct. But, but he was also, I mean, you know, when we, we look at, at this, and, and I don't want to, I want to be careful here not to, to also downplay Abraham's wealth because Abraham is, you know, the way it's described again in, in context, right. In, in the context of the time that they're living in, you know, Abraham is like close to Richie, rich, rich, right. I mean, he's, he's got a ton of wealth. I also just find it just a very quick sidebar and I don't want to get too far off on this, but like is Egypt where you go to get money? Cause it seems like we keep getting the story over and over again. Like Abraham goes down during the famine and gets paid, you know, Joseph goes down and get paid. They keep going back to Egypt and getting paid and then bringing all of that back out. I mean, even in the Exodus, they went and plundered the people of Egypt before they left town. So just that just fascinates me that every t- that, that that part of the story keeps coming up. But with, with that wealth that and, and, and here's the other thing that, that I think we've got to be be careful with. Hebrew or not, he was Philippians chapter four. Paul makes it very clear that contentment and our stability and purpose is a learned trait. Paul, everybody knows Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's one of the most out of context taken verses. And that's one of my pet peeves. If you'll read the verses prior to that, Paul said, I learned to live in excess and I learned to live without. And, and I think a lot of times we, we focus on the, yeah, you got to learn and be better in hard times. Success is much is just as difficult. If you're successful, if you're wealthy, that, there's a lot of temptations. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of trials. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of cost to that as well. And so Abraham, while was, was very wealthy, you know, as Michael said, he, he's a wealthy nomad. I mean, we're, he, he doesn't ever really set up roots. He's just wandering and going and now again because of his faithfulness you know he he definitely flourishes not only throughout his life but his family and 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 we know the abrahamic promises but you know there's it's not all i think sometimes we we get this idea if i just had more money or if i was just rich or if i was just wealthy that all my problems would go away and that's just not realistic from anybody we can put in front of you yeah so 
again, in comparison to those around him, Abraham was wealthy, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that God was explicit to him and to Isaac that they were going to be sojourners. They were not, they would not have a permanent possession. That position would come generations later. And, and so I think that's just kind of important to note, but in this kind of nomadic pastoral lifestyle and, and enterprise that, that Abraham is in. And again, he's got significant uh, possessions, which in that day would, would constitute mostly livestock. And we get to this point in, in uh, verse, verse six, that the, the land could not support both Abram and Lot. And that's an interesting statement. The land could not support them. Um, you know, the, the livestock, I'm sure we're constantly looking for, for green pasture, looking for water, and, you know, it, it was becoming a, a source of conflict about whose, whose livestock was going to get the best field, essentially. Um, and so it says, verse 7, there was strife between the shepherds, uh, Abraham's livestock and Lot's livestock. And so the, uh, the, the, the frontline managers couldn't get along. Um, and and in, a quick, in quick, quick side note here. Um, back to our conversation with 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 Isaac and the Wells. They're not in Kansas. They're not in Iowa. They're in a desert. Like we, I think sometimes we we struggle with the picture of this. You know, they are nomadic herdsmen in a desert. So where they were in that general area, there was only so much grass and so much water. I think sometimes we think that they're on this wide open majestic field in Kansas and. Like, well, I, you know, they couldn't get along because they were, you know, hateful to each other. No, that's, that's not what happened. It's, it's very clear that there's only, there's only so much grass that their animals could eat, and they're all fighting for these, these best spots. Not, and, and I, don't think, I don't think you can read into or see subtext here that says that this is about greed or this is about, you know, true strife. You know, this is just resources. And when resources get tight, there is a natural friction that happens among the best and closest of friends. I, 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 these guys have been, let's, let's also be very clear here. These guys are not brand new coworkers, right? You know, by all accounts, these are the people that have been with Abraham and Lot throughout most of their journey. Now they've picked some up along the way, no doubt, but these are men that have been together for a long time and they probably do care about each other and probably do love each other and, and probably have spent, you know, many days and nights together. But when resources get tight, when things get thin, when those types of things happen, you know, it, it gets, gets testy up in the workplace, even amongst family, yeah. right, Michael? Uh, no comment. And, <laughs> and what is, <laughs> what is economics? Economics is just a study of what happens when there's scarce resources, right? That's kind of the, the textbook definition. And so, We've got this. We got this study in economics. We've got scarce resources, and how are these two gonna gonna handle this situation? And and they have to keep moving. That's part of the lifestyle. They they are again they're nomadic uh, pastoral herdsmen. They're gonna keep moving. The question is, do they keep moving together? Where the the places the next place they have to find for sustenance for their animals has to be increasingly larger. If they move together, it just requires the next place to, to you know, to have even more resources. And so it, it, it again, it, it becomes this, this conflict um, that this, this land just ain't big enough for the both of them in, in Old West terminology. 
And so we get we get to this to this kind of seminal point in Bible history. You get this great story where Abraham comes to his nephew, and and I'll, I'll make kind of our first overarching point here is I, I, Abraham comes to this to this both personal and business crossroads, and comes with just an extreme amount of gentleness humility and generosity uh and there's a lot wrapped up in those three words but but i think you see all that just in this first sentence from abram let there be no strife between you and me between your shepherds and mine because we are brethren the whole land is before you separate yourself from me if you take the left i'll take the right if you take the right i'll take the left there's a lot there's a lot wrapped up into that i think um Abram, as kind of the patriarch of the family, was not in, under any obligation to allow Lot his preference. Um, th- this, and I think scripture is clear that this was a intentional concerted effort on the part of Abraham to be generous, to, to allow Lot his preference. That it was also a display of humility in that, in other words, it can almost... Again, don't want to read too much into this, but Abram saying, look, my blessings are from God and he's going to bless me wherever I choose or whatever, whatever you leave me with here, I'm going to be okay. And we definitely see that Abraham's wealth was not diminished because he was left with the, the inferior of the land. And so that, that, that generosity, that humility and that gentleness, not that, Hey, since your shepherds are, um, overbearing and ruthless, we got to separate or not because you can't keep control of your people. We have to separate, but just let there be no strife between you and me. Like our relationship is more important than this business enterprise that we're in together. Um, so to, to me, that that's kind of the, the first, the, the, the first layer of lessons and probably the simplest one. And the one that we all see, but, uh, you know, also critically important is how does Abraham approach this conflict with gentleness, generosity, and humility? Um, I wish I would approach conflicts similarly more often. And I think it's, you know, it's important here. I've, I've read this a couple of times, even while you were, were going through the story here, um, you know, are you saying Abraham, I was? Are you saying I was? Are you saying I was long-winded? Is that, no, no, is that, no. Is that, is that, There's only a couple of verses here. It's not like <laughs> not like I was reading, you know, Exodus. Um, but you know, here Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and and he journeyed on yada yada. And so then we get down to six, um, or five, and Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. So. Abraham has silver and gold and flocks and herds. So Abraham, there's a disparity of wealth here, I, I think is, is what I want to talk about think, here too. So you've got, a, you've got a gap between these two. And I think it's, it's important <clears throat> that, that Abraham, you know, again, in the patriarchal position, you know, he, he's obviously the leader that everybody kind of comes to, that Abraham decides that he's going to, one, diffuse this situation before it gets out of control. So I think there's a lot of leadership and, and insight, you know, on his part for that. And, and I think that's, that's one of the lessons I want us to bring out too, is from a business standpoint that, that we've got to be able to see where things are going. 
you know, from a conflict standpoint. <clears throat> Abraham saw, look, this is going to end poorly. If we don't do something here, and, and that's his words here, right? Let there be no strife between you and me. The herdsmen and the middle managers that are fighting right now, that's going to end up causing problems between you and me. And so we've got to be able to see down the road that, look, when certain things start happening, this may be the end of, of the enterprise here, or at least the partnership. And Abraham, with his, his generosity, his kindness, and his grace, he said, look, you know, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. But, you know, I, you pick first. You know, you pick the land and, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out over here. And, you know, it, it's not explicit in the text, but I, I agree with your point there that, you know, God's blessed him at this point. I mean, he just started walking and wandering and now he's got gold and silver and, you know, donkeys and tents and all kinds of stuff. So, right. So God's taking care of him thus far. When they split up, he figures God's going to take care of him throughout the land of Canaan. But there's a lot of faith. And I think it's very difficult for people in business to say, you know, I'm going to give you the top third of the customer list, you know, or the top quarter of the customer list. And then I'll try to make it on the bottom. That's, that's tough. And especially when you get into, you know, real money. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's very difficult for us to cross this road, but, you know, prayerful consideration, we need to, to look at this and say, you know, is giving some things up here um, in, in this business deal for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the, spiritual aspect of it and and knowing that god can bless us um when we do things the right way i I think that that warrants some some attention when we get to these points yeah um and no question uh you know this this decision that you know for the good of our relationship and for the good of our enterprise and for the good of our relationship with one another and with god we need to separate is you know that that's a very it's a very thoughtful choice. Um, and, and I, I think it's very relevant even today, you know, that, you know, sometimes people with really great relationships and even brethren, um, understand that they're, they're better off on in, in separate fields, um, so to speak. So I, I know, and the quote has always stuck with me. I know of a, a business person who started in a business with his father and uh ultimately his father came to him and says hey when there's when there's two big bulls in the field they end up doing a lot of headbutting and not much mating and and we got we got we got to increase our herds here we got to be we got to be in separate fields and and that was a conscious decision on the part of that family that they were going to be better off um doing their own thing and it was going to be better for their relationship it was going to be better for them economically and it was going to be better for their you know, ultimately the relationship with God also. And that has stuck with me that some, uh, some personalities are compatible. Some, some, some businesses, you know, either don't require or are going to do better with, with, uh, certain types of management, certain types of leaders. And, you know, the, uh, the humility, um, you know, pride and greed get, get so, uh, get in the way of these conversations. If, if Abraham would have been prideful or greedy, there's there, he would not have approached this the same way. Uh, but, uh, because he was generous and humble, he, he was, he was, he was okay to say, you know, because we love each other, doesn't mean we're best suited as business partners. And so I, the, the other thing I want to, you know, draw another analogy here. 
because not everybody is in the same boat, right? You know, a lot of our listeners, you know, you may never be in a position where it's a, you know, business partnership here that you're dealing with. But a lot of us along the course of life have had a roommate. And you can have a friend that's your best friend in the world that you love to death that you'll never live with because you just you're just not compatible, right? You know, one of you is a slob, the other one's a neat freak. It doesn't matter. You're great people. You love doing stuff with them, but you just it just doesn't work. Um, and I think that's what sometimes happens in these business relationships is as good as we are at what we do, there are some things that just, you know, either great or there's not enough resources, or there's not enough space, or there's not enough something that, and, it, and again, it doesn't mean that you're not friends, doesn't mean that you're not brothers, doesn't mean that, that you can't still love each other. It just means that doesn't mean you're a failure, you know? Right. Um, that doesn't mean that you failed either in business or in Christianity. Uh, I don't. I don't think that Abraham failed as a business person or as an uncle or as a uh, follower of God. That he came to this. That he came to this point. Quite the opposite. Um, so that, that's a. Sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, and I think most of us as Christians want to. You know, we want to jam, jam the square peg into the round hole because, you know, we're both Christians. So, you know, whether that's going to college and, hey, we're both Christians, so we should be able to be roommates. No, that doesn't I mean I can love you, but we ain't living together because you're a terrible, you know, slob or whatever, or you don't do dishes or right. There's a myriad of things that, again, doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. You, you could just have, you know, quirks. Things just don't work out. To me, the, the you know, the whole uh, moral of this story, if you will, or the, the, the insight that we've got to get out of here is to be thoughtful enough to not let it get bad. Let's not wait until we're both on the floor trying to choke each other out. Let's have some insight to say, look, this, I can see where this is going. You know, if, if we continue down this path, there's going to be strife between us. And Abraham's like, I'm cutting that off before it happens. You know, I can see where this is going to go. Let's cut this off. Let's move. Let's, you know, divest. Let's choose different resources and, and let's be happy and continue to be supportive of one another. Yeah. And then I think that last point you made is important is this was not a divorce of the relationship. Far from it. Um, you know, we, in the very next chapter, Abram is risking his life to go rescue his nephew um, who had been kidnapped, essentially. And so I mean, there was still there was still a sincere, emotional, relational you know, connection here. Uh, this was a, this was a rational, logical, um, business decision mm -hmm. and, and, and did it have some implications on family relationships? I'm sure it did, but ultimately it was made in order to maintain the relationship, yes. um, both the, the spiritual and the relational relationship that, a hard decision was made to, to maintain those relationships, man. That's a, if you ever had to, if you ever had to fire a brother or you've ever had to part ways with a brother, uh, or, or separate a business venture with a brother, those are hard. Those are hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, prayerful consideration, is it, is it part of maintaining both relationships with God and the relationship with one another? Abraham had a, anyway, Abraham had a hard decision to make. And he made it in a very godly way. Uh, so that's that's the Abraham part of the story. I, I think there's there's also a. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. If you had another point there. Um, no, no, I was just going to kind of 
recap um, real quick. So, you know, okay. let's summarize our points because we've kind of bounced back and forth between a few of them. So, so one, generosity. Um, we've got to have a heart and a nature of generosity in, in order for these types of things to work in conflict resolution. Two is humility. Um, Abraham didn't have to be the guy, right, that's making the decisions, that's making all the calls. You know, he was able to kind of, even though he was the larger of the two partners, right, Abraham would have been the senior partner and Lot's the junior partner, I think, by wealth and, and a lot of other things. Um, and then what, where, where we've been sitting for most of this is that life decisions based on economic criteria um, can have huge spiritual and relational costs. You know, th this isn't an economic decision that they're making here. They're understanding the spiritual implications and, and I think that's that's important um, that that when we're making these life decisions that it that it's it's there. So that kind of brings us you know to a head as, as we we start to wrap up. So I just wanted to squeeze us back in. Yeah, the 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 the, the last point you made, I think Abram understood that life decisions that are only based on economic selfishness have huge implications. I'm not sure Lot understood that because, because the decision that Lot made was pretty clearly economically self-interest motivated. Uh -huh. um, he, he, he clearly, and you can read those verses with me, Lot lifted up his eyes in verse 10 and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. That's pretty strong language. Uh -huh. um, so verse 11, Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east and they separated Lot made a decision based on his own economic self-interest that that portion to the east of where they were looking, they must have been on a elevated area. They could see the land. East looked green, west looked brown. He went east. Um, now, what is very clear in subsequent chapters, what Lot either did not take into consideration or did not investigate was the morality of the locals. <laughs> Uh, and, and there's, there's a whole, there's a whole other series of lessons about that as you go on to subsequent chapters. Yeah. And verse 13, it jumps off right, right in the, and he went toward there where there were some wicked centers. Correct. So did Lot not know that, or did he not care? It doesn't really matter. Um, he, he made it, he made a choice in his economic self-interest, but the result was the spiritual deterioration of his family. Mm -hmm. Um, man, that's heavy. Yep. That's you think that doesn't have um, relevant modern uh, allegory. I mean, there, that's absolutely yeah. That's absolutely a modern. Like, how many decisions are made based based logically on economic self interest? And and from that perspective, is a very logical decision. But if those decisions aren't made with it, you could be like Lot and not maybe not care and say, you know, I'm sure wherever we got to go, I'm sure there's a church there. We'll figure it out, <laughs> you know, um, and that seemed to be a little bit like Lot's attitude. You know, the business is better over there. The job opportunities are better there. I'm sure we'll figure it out spiritually when we get there. Or whether you, you know that it's it's morally questionable, but but we'll be strong enough to survive it. Wh whichever one of those avenues you think Lot chose, <clears throat> he went that direction. I, 
you know, the most obvious parallel to me is, you know, is the job opportunity leading your family closer or further away from, from the Lord? Mm-hmm. And, and those are, I don't, I don't, I don't say that lightly because I know those aren't decisions that people take lightly, but what's, what is the deciding criteria in those decisions is, is a question that lot should make us really consider. And, and I think, you know, the biblical principle that, that we, you know, that jumps off the page of me is the, it's that true idea of counting the cost. You know, what's your true cost here, right? Oftentimes when we think about costs, we, we don't boil it down far enough to, you know, okay, so, you know, I, I got recruited for this big hotshot job, but I got to move. And there may or may not be a church there, but we, we start to, you know, I'm trying to be cautious here, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I I think we sometimes lie to ourselves of, you know, well, hey, we'll be strong. And, you know, if there's, you know, a small church or if there's no church, then we'll start one and we'll do some stuff in our house. But we don't factor in the fact that if they brought me down here and are paying me a very good wage, they're going to expect a lot of work out of me. They're going to expect a lot of dedication to the job. If there's, especially if there's relocation packages and whatnot involved, you know, think sometimes we we deceive ourselves because we really want the economic benefits and we diminish the spiritual cost that it's going to take um and, and and we i think sometimes we lie to ourselves in the fact of you know well i'm doing this all to provide you know economic stability for my family and that's the most important thing no it's not economic stability is not the most important thing you can provide for your family spiritual stability is the most important thing you can provide for your family but we, you know, we often banner and trade those two, um, you know, moving up a tax bracket, you know, but at what cost? And so, you know, as we've talked about before, and if you've listened to us before, you know, the, the studies on this are hysterical, right? You know, everybody, no matter how much you make, thinks they just need a little bit more. You know, the guy that's, you know, making half a million thinks he could, he could finally make it at 750. And the guy at a million thinks he'd finally make it at two and a half, right? That, everybody's all constantly looking up, but at what point, you know, again, do we weigh, weigh the costs of this? And, you know, I, I would, you know, I would wager at the end of Lot's life while we don't have, you know, his Ecclesiastes or, or, or his Psalms to talk about the end of his life. But I, I would, I would wager that, that Watt, Lot would go back and change this choice if he could, that, that this is where he would see kind of the fork in the road where things got sideways. And, and, you know, we, we read in Second Peter chapter 2 that Lot is described as righteous and that he was vexed by the things that were going on around him. So I, I, don't, I don't take this, and we shouldn't take this as, uh, well, Lot was just a heathen. And he, uh, Lot was, was, at least Scripture has recorded for us that Lot was a righteous guy. Um, but this choice was not a righteous choice. And, and, you know, I don't think you have to move physically or geographically to make this choice, you know, moving to a new position can, can have very similar consequences. If that, if that, if that move is made for, again, strictly economic self-interest without any regard to what it does to the, 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 the spiritual condition of self and family and what's it going to do the relationships between, you know, between family and between us and God, uh, it's the same choice. Uh, the, 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 the promotion that requires 
um, the deterioration of, of family and spiritual relationships is exactly the same choice. So it, it's, it doesn't always have, it, we're not always talking about relocations here. Um, this, this, there's a lot of different implications for, for this, this kind of choice. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think you go back to the principle, it's, it's count, count the cost. Well, what's this going to cost me time, effort, energy, time away from my family? Um, maybe the inability to work or serve in the church. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that, that are going to come into here. You know, if you take high powered, high pressure job, does that mean that, you know, you, you can't, can't be a deacon or, or you can't, you know, teach Bible class. Um, there's a lot of things that, that, you know, are, are at play there that, that have to be factored in. So the last thing I want to leave us on um, here very quickly as we draw to a conclusion, because we've got a, we've got a hard stop and we don't ever do good with hard stops. Um, we always end up blowing through them, but not that hard. They're not, they're not, turns out they're not as hard as we think they are. Um, but one of the things that Michael said just a few minutes ago that I think is, is vitally important is this is not a failure, right? You know, we can love each other. We can care about each other. We can be supportive of one another and decide that sometimes this is just not a good fit, right? You're, I, I think, and again, whether you're talking about the business venture breaking up or whether you're talking about, you know, maybe turning down a promotion or taking a demotion or, you know, doing something to say, look, I, that's not failure, right? It's just understanding where a situation is going to me, that's wisdom of saying, look, this is a path I can't stay on. And it's knowing the end of that path at the beginning. It's, it's not waiting until you're burned out. It's not waiting until you've lost your family. It's not waiting until things are in ashes and say, ah, oh, you know what? Probably shouldn't have done this. You know, it's, it's sitting down at that crossroads and saying, Hey, you know, when I count the cost, it's just not worth it. And, and I've got to make a different decision. Too many times we, as a society, as a culture, you know, we label that as failure. You know, he couldn't handle the opportunity as if that's a bad thing. You know, no, maybe his, you know, his family and, and what they were doing and what he was having to give up to take that role um, absolutely was ha had to happen and had to take precedent. Um, but we put so much of an emphasis on, on career, on success, on those things that uh, I, I'm convinced that many Many of us are forced into doing things um, out of that, you know, sense of obligation or whatnot, uh, instead of being able to truly count the cost and say, look, you know, this may not be the economic best choice, but for me and my family and our herds, it's better for us to go the other way. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when you define your, um, we define our value by what our, what our W-2 is, and we've talked about this a lot, when we, when our, when our, um, our, our value is defined by what we do and what we make. It forces us into choices like a lot. A person who doesn't take the promotion, how are they viewed by the world to your point? And, and, and in that, in that day of counting the cost, I don't, I don't know that lot did a, did a bad calculation. My, I just don't think he did the calculation. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that he, he went through the due diligence of checking out what was going on in Sodom. You know, Moses puts for us in verse 13, this, you know, parenthetical, you know, the people of Sodom were wicked. I don't know that Lot knew that. So I, I don't know that Lot, I don't know that Lot 
made a conscious decision to take his family into like literal Sodom. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we, we talk about that figuratively, like he took his family to literal Sodom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that was a calculated choice as, it, as much as it was, he didn't do the calculation. Yeah. He, he just, he didn't, he didn't do the due diligence about what is this decision going to do uh, to my family. And, um, and so I, when we say count the cost, it doesn't always just mean, and I know to your point, it doesn't always just mean, you know, do, do the calculus correctly, you know, make the, do the correct analysis. Sometimes it just means do the analysis. Yeah. Lot, Lot stood up there and saw, saw the valleys and made his choice. Didn't really do the thoughtful due diligence about that. And um, again, when you make that quick decision based only on economic self-interest, without doing the, the thorough, holistic due diligence about what's this do to our relationships, that's, uh, that's a side of problems. Absolutely. Um, so we'll end there. Um, if you've you know, kind of been following along, uh, generosity, humility, um, being able to, to look down the road to, to commit to kind of see the strife or, or, or see the deal ahead and then um, the last one, we'll just call counting the cost. Make sure you do the math um, and, and sit down and truly count it and understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, so that's our, our points to, for you to be better workers today, for you to be better leaders uh, in, in the workplace. Um, Lord willing, here sometime next week, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with another character. Um, for some reason, we've been going backwards uh, chronologically. Um, I, I don't know if, if we pick up Noah next or we're no, no, no. people going this direction. No, I think it, I think it's natural. We've gone Joseph, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. I think it's straight to Tower of Babel. I, I think that, <laughs> I'm I'm dead serious. I think that's where we go next. I think there's great lessons there. Genesis 11, book it. All right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about the woes of construction. Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can I can do that right now. <laughs> we do have a resident expert um, that's, that's been through a project and. Uh, can speak from dealing with GCs and uh, how the tower went bad. Um, so we'll, I, I assure you, we weren't speaking the same language. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, good. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for, for being a part of this. And uh, we'll, we'll tower babble it next week. See you, brother.